rotates. 360 degrees. High, high, 360 degrees. High, high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. High, high. Hey, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by apprentices of KPFA's first voice apprenticeship program. I am Gregory Jackson, Jr., graduate apprentice from Cohort 39, Sueños del Fuego. On tonight's show, you'll hear about the California Reparations Task Force, what's happened in the past and what's ahead of us. You'll get a chance to submit testimony to the Reparations Task Force as the interim report's been released just a couple months ago, and the next one will be centered around community testimony. Uh, lastly, we'll be uh, having a conversation with Chris from uh, Coalition for a Just and Equitable California, and that'll be at the end of the show. Uh, stay tuned. lot planned. Ashe, as we begin, I'd like to uh, thank the ancestors that have uh, laid the groundwork for where we stand at this very moment. Um, I'm super grateful to be back. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Um, after graduating from KPFA's apprenticeship program a few years ago, I went on to graduate law school and subsequently start an organization that is called Repaired Nations Cooperative, uh, which is one of the few anchor organizations supporting the task force with gathering community testimony for its final report. Uh, Repaired Nations redresses historic problems of social and economic marginalization through training, network, funding, and supportive infrastructure that uh, cultivate cooperative ecosystems. Um, we're really honored uh, again to be supporting the California Reparations Task Force through these listening sessions and awareness building. Uh, we're going to be kicking off the show with a short background from the task force um, about what's happened up to this point. And then on the other side, we'll hear a bit from Chris right before we open up the lines uh, so you all can share your testimony. Uh, stay tuned. California Assembly Bill 3121 establishes the task force to study and develop reparation proposals for African Americans, with a special consideration for African Americans who are descendants of persons enslaved in the United States. The purpose of the task force is, one, to study and develop reparations proposals for African Americans, two, to recommend appropriate ways to educate the California public of the task force findings, and three, to recommend appropriate remedies in consideration of the task force's findings. By statute, the task force consists of nine members, five appointed by the governor, two by the president pro tem of the Senate, and two by the speaker of the assembly. Task force members are drawn from diverse backgrounds to represent the interests of communities of color throughout the state and have experience working to implement racial justice reform. The task force has held hearings, heard witness testimony, and requested the production of powerful evidence. You can find all this information on their website, oag.ca.gov slash AB3121. On June 1st, 2022, the task force released the interim report, which includes a set of preliminary recommendations for policies that the California legislature could adopt to remedy harm. 
A final report will be issued before July 1st, 2023. The introduction of the report pretty much starts with, and I quote, so thoroughly have the effects of slavery infected every aspect of American society over the last 400 years that it is nearly impossible to identify every badge and incident of slavery, to include every piece of evidence or describe every harm done to African-Americans. In order to address this practical reality, the interim report of the Reparations Task Force describes a sample of government actions and the compounding harms that have resulted, organized into 12 specific areas of systemic discrimination. I will now share one of many of the key findings issued for each of the 12 sections in the 500-page report. Enslavement require that incarcerated people who are working in prison or jail be paid a fair market rate for their labor. Racial terror. Estimate the value of Black-owned businesses and property in California stolen or destroyed through acts of racial terror. Distribute this amount back to Black Californians. Political disenfranchisement. Allow individuals with felony convictions to serve on juries and prohibit judges and attorneys from excluding jurors solely for having a criminal record. Housing segregation. Compensate individuals forcibly removed from their homes due to state action, including but not limited to park construction, highway construction, and urban renewal. Establish a state-subsidized mortgage system for Black California mortgage applicants. Separate and unequal education. Provide funding for African-American, American freedmen owned and controlled K-12 schools, colleges and universities, trade and professional schools. Racism in environment and infrastructure. Reduce the density of food swamps, i.e. high densities of fast food restaurants in black neighborhoods. Pathologizing the black family. Eliminate the collection of child support as a means to reimburse the state for current or past government assistance. Control over creative and intellectual life. Compensate individuals who have been deprived of rightful profits from their artistic, creative, athletic, and intellectual work. Stolen labor and hindered opportunity. Create a fund to support the development and sustainment of Black-owned businesses and eliminate barriers to licensure that are not strictly necessary and that harm Black workers. An unjust legal system. Eliminate discriminatory policing, particularly killings, use of force, and racial profiling of African Americans. Mental and physical harm and neglect. Compensate both financially and with cost-free, high-quality, comprehensive services and supports individuals whose mental and physical health has been damaged by anti-black systems, policies, and treatment. The Wealth Gap. Provide funding and technical assistance to black-led and community-based land trusts to support wealth building and affordable housing. This is Gregory Jr. sharing about the California Reparations Task Force. Find more at oag.ca.gov slash AB3121.
Hey, peace, family. Uh, thank you for tuning in, listening uh, to Full Circle here on KPFA 94.1 FM. Uh, we're going to be encouraging everyone who wants to call in to also check out the executive summary of the interim report and the key findings that you can find on the website, oag.ca.gov slash AB3121 slash reports. Um, you know, if you're sitting at home and you got a moment to check it out, I highly encourage uh, you to, to do that for yourself. Um, for those who know that they want to give some testimony uh, without hearing the questions yet, I'm going to give you the phone number, um, and then we're going to hear a little bit from Chris. Uh, so the phone number you're going to be calling today is 1-800-958-9008. Um, for those wanting to call in and give testimony, uh, the phone number, one 800 958 9008 and uh we will get you queued up and ready to go um and we'll be giving out the questions in a second uh chris are you with us how you doing man gregory i'm with you how are you brother man i'm i'm feeling good excited about <laughs> this uh, listening session and Same. i'm really really excited Same, and honored that you're that you're here with us man thank you i am honored i am excited i and i am I am so happy to be here and thank you so much for 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 inviting us. Also, thank you so much for starting with the key findings from the interim report. The interim report, which was just released, as you mentioned, June 1st of this year, 2022, which is available right now on the task force's website, is a historic monumental report. It's the first biggest report since really the Kerner Commission back in the 1960s that really looks at the African-American community. And so it is very, very important. And it's also very, very long to us, 492, 500 pages. So for those of us who don't have the time right now to read every single last page right now on our website, excuse me, on our Twitter uh, page um, at CJEC official and also on my own Twitter page at Chris Organized Sack. We are doing a live reading chapter by chapter of oh, sure. each chapter of the report Mondays at 7 p.m. Every single Monday. Right now we on chapter three. So tune in, listen to the report read live chapter by chapter. And then we have about a one hour or so conversation and discussion about what we read. So let's read it together. Uh, but uh, again, thank you so much. Ashe, uh, man, that sounds wonderful. I'm going to have to check that out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about CJEC uh, before we um, start Definitely. to prep folks for calling in? Definitely. So CJC or CJEC, which is the Coalition for, for a Just and Equitable California, is an organization born for reparations. We are a California-based, freedmen-descendant-led coalition, association, and just group of regular black folks, as we like to call ourselves, who work for reparations and reparative justice right here in the state of California. What you know now, or what we call now, CJEC started out as a bunch of folks working for reparations and reparative justice here in the state of California, starting in maybe late 2018, early 2019, and we were very fortunate to get involved with the state's efforts for reparations 
in late 2018, early 2019, and actually get a chance to work on the bill that created California's first Indonesian Rep- Reparations Commission, the the bill called AB 3121, which was authored by then Assembly Member Dr. Shirley Weber, now Secretary of State Dr. Shirley Weber, and we helped write the write the bill. We helped get the bill passed. We helped get the bill signed. Uh, we we helped get people selected to the actual rep- Reparations Task Force, and now we are one of six anchor organizations along with repair nations selected to do community outreach and engagement for California reparations. Yeah, there's so much. Uh, I know there's so much that you all have done and that you you all can uh, share about or you can share about what uh, CJEC has done. Uh, so the phone line that you all can call in uh, to give community testimony, um, 1-800-958-9008. Uh, the questions that we're going to be asking for folks to answer, uh, so I'm going to uh, let you know now so you can let it simmer um, as you're calling in. Uh, what is your vision for the future of Black California? What does it look like, sound like, feel like? Um, as Chris would say, if we snapped our fingers and have reparations, like what would that look like in our community? Like What would you see out of your window? Uh, so that's the first question. What, what is it that we're, what is our goal? What is our milestone? What are we, you know, what is the prize our eyes are, are on? Uh, the second question, um, you know, uh, personally believing that in order to repair harm, we have to first acknowledge it. And uh, to that end, uh, wanting to hear if someone has one to three harms that they've either experienced themselves or they've experienced as a community member that they'd want to lift up and make sure that, um, you know, it's captured that this is something... Um, people in the community would like to see healed. Um, and then lastly, uh, just wanting to know for when reparations gets rolled out, uh, you know, speaking it into existence, like what are the ways you'd like to see things structured? Um, and that could be, you know, monetary, it could be in kind, free things, or maybe no taxes, who knows? Uh, we're really curious, like what what's on your heart? Uh, what's on your mind? Uh, what your spirit has been telling you about like the things that, that we need? Uh, Chris, would you like to add? Um, I think we had maybe one more question. Uh, yeah. Like to add anything? Yeah, just I'm I'm really interested in for the folks listening. I'm really interested in how and why did your African American family come to California? So how did your family get here? What was the motivation for your family coming here? And how and why did you come here? I'm really really interested in your origin story as it as it as it were how and why did your african-american family come to the state of california and under what conditions and, and under what expectations so the phone number again 1-800-958-9008 uh personally uh my family i i guess our story is like Midwest, coming from the Oklahoma area, I think after the Dust Bowl. Uh, my grandma's just a little too young to remember. And uh, my mother's side coming from Baltimore, which has a really deep cooperative history. And um, yeah, I've been peppering my uh, grandma with questions about, you know, what were they doing? What kind of co-op stores were they uh, shopping at back in the day? Um and I know we all have something because most of us didn't necessarily start here except for um, 
just a few. Uh, what about you, Chris? Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Actually, so I have a little bit of an interesting story. I, I'm I am originally from the East Coast. I'm originally from New York City, and I've been in California since 2015. And so half of my family is on the East Coast and from New York, but then coming to New York from Georgia actually, and were enslaved in in Georgia. But the other side of my family is actually from here on the West Coast. My father's actually from San Diego. And so I have a line of folks here in San Diego who also came here at some point to California from the South. And it has been, you know, I think a, a, a lot of... So one thing we learned actually, and this, this goes back to the first report, that we talked about in the intro. One thing that we're learning from the first report that actually ties into my own family's origin story, and I think a lot of our family's origin stories, is that, you know, our families, most of us fled from the South or fled from the Midwest and came out here looking for opportunity, looking for things to be different, things to be better, and oftentimes found out that things are and and were not as, you know, no better in many, many cases. I can think, for example, of just from the interim report, stories of people fleeing the South and fleeing the, the, the Midwest and then running into the KKK here in the state of California, in Los Angeles, and in Bakersfield, and in, in San Oakland, Leandro. And, and San Leandro, <laughs> in San Francisco, lots okay. of sundown towns. Uh, right, right. Um, so you know, so I, I, I think that's that's one thing that that I think my family experienced, and and I think a lot of families like mine and, and like ours have experienced experience where we're fleeing from what we think is you know some of the worst possible con- conditions and some of the worst racial terror only to find that you know that terror is everywhere even here in the state of california mm-hmm. the phone number to call in give your testimony 1-800-958-9008 uh, we're asking a few questions like share your family's origin story Share what your vision for Black California is, the harms you want to see addressed, and the ways that reparations uh, can go about doing that. Uh, I'm being told we have Karen from Oakland on the line. Hello, Karen. How are you? Hey, good morning, y'all. Thank you so much for uh, taking my call. Um, I'm driving, and so it's all these noises. Apologize for that. Um, So I want to right the wrongs of the separation of families and the protection of young families, uh, the assurance that those families are get to stay together in spite of circumstances. Um, that's something that I see that should never be happening. Imprisoned people are separated from their families. That should never happen. First of all, questionable even why they're in prison because we shouldn't trust police officers, you know, as telling the truth. So we should never even consider their testimony first and foremost um, when it comes to imprisoned people. But the fact that they imprison people so far away from their families, 
uh, it's, it's problematic. If somebody has to be imprisoned, they should be in community. Um, and so creating safe spaces for people who have made a violated law, they need safe space. Um, and that the families that are impacted by that, you know, definitely need safe, safe space as well. And we need to ensure those families are somehow, you know, restored or ensure that they stay together to be redundant. Okay. Ashe, thanks for calling in, Karen. Um, if you could hold on for a moment. Um, this is 94.1 KPFA. Uh, we're doing a reparations uh, listening session. We got Chris from CJEC here. Uh, I'm curious, like, with the things that you've mentioned, um, like protecting families, uh, supporting those who have gotten caught up in uh, dubious systems, like, how would you want to see that, um, like, healed, corrected, um, you know, uh, how would you want to see that? Um, yeah, what would it look like t- for reparations to address those things in your eyes? Well, what I've seen is that I've been on jury duty a lot. And I never get to see a courtroom. Why? Because these prosecutors are making deals, like, with our young men. Right? Our beautiful young men with a lot of potential. Destroying their potential at that point. Right, that has to stop. You know, I hear a lot of people talking about it, but I don't see anything changing. Right? Um, You know, that affects a whole bunch of people, right? Strong young men are really, you know, there to take care of their family. So now they've got children who, again, (laughs) grow up without their father. What is that about? Why is that allowed to happen to such a marginalized community at an, a rate that's so much greater than any other community, especially those resources. It's ridiculous. Why is the question I ask about that? Why is it necessary for a person to be pulled for their family for the destruction of property while those people who destroy lives get to walk free, right? So there needs to be a flip happening, right? So I don't know. I mean, I don't know the solutions, but I'm just sharing my perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for calling in, Karen. And um, whenever I've been, whenever I've done these listening sessions in person or over Zoom, like I always just want to thank people for being vulnerable, being willing to say difficult things and. Yeah, just hoping, you know, as your as your weekend progresses, you, you know, continuously have a good day. Yeah, you know, thank you for doing this. I mean, I didn't even hear this before, and I'm so glad you're reading out loud. Uh, I think that's really important. I think people need to go about their day and to be able to hear it because they're not going to take the time to read it. So that's awesome, and thank you for the good work. Ashe. Hey Gregory, can I can I add something here just to, to a couple of, course, of points please. Karen made? Yeah, thank you, thank you, Karen, so much, and and all, you know for your for sharing, and also thank you for the love for doing the live readings of the report, which happen every Monday, seven p.m. on Twitter Spaces. So 
Uh, you 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 address something that I think the, the interim report does address, which is obviously the unjust unjust legal system. A lot of us are affected. I'm just going to be, you know, we we do a community listening. So and we we black folks. So let's be real. You know, I've been I've been touched by that too. Um, you know, I I I lost some 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 school opportunities way back in the early 2000s for doing something that's now legal for for dealing with cannabis and, mar- and, and marijuana in a, in a place where that's now legal. And a lot of our people have similar situations, not just with the cannabis thing, but with all types of ways that the unjust legal system touches us and the interim report addresses some of that specifically one that you mentioned, which is about the juries and about the jury selection process. And there, ha- there, there have to be changes to that. And one thing that I'm looking forward to is what's coming out in the final report, actually. The final report, which is due out from the California Rep- Reparations Commission. And I say commission. I'm going to finish my statement there, but just one one point on why you may hear me say commission in place of task force. And this actually is very relevant to the unjust legal system. So our team was doing some grassroots canvassing on MLK Day earlier this year in January. And we were going out handing out flyers. We were out, out here in Sacramento and we were we were going out handing out flyers just with basic information about California reparations on it. When we were in some of the neighborhoods, we were actually on Martin Luther King Boulevard and uh, we we you know pulled up on a brother and and said, Hey, here's some info, California reparations and there's a California Reparations Task Force. And the brother looked at the flyer, looked up at us and said, the last thing I want to hear about is a task force with all this probation I'm on. And so right then and there, we started to switch our language up and, and started to use the word com- commission. So that's why you're going to hear me say the word commission in, in place of task force, but they are interchangeable. Back to my, my, my thought. The... Task Force is going to put out a final report in June or July of 2023. And I'm looking forward to that, especially because in that report is going to be the actual reparations plan. So in the first report that we're looking at now, there are some preliminary recommendations, some early recommendations. Right. And and Gregory read a, a bunch of them and they're really, really good. In the final report, though, is where the plan is. And I, and, I, and I think that's where, where most of our eyes are now is what is the plan to fix the things that Karen is talking about? What is the thing to fix? What is the plan to fix the juries? What is the plan so that if for some reason you are in, incarcerated, you're not separated from your family. Your family is not suffering. You're, you're not coming out with a bunch of debt that your family has to pay when you come out. That you can actually be employed and get a job. That you're not in there and employed but making eight cents an hour, ten cents an hour, zero cents an hour. That, that you're not being forced to work inside while you're in there and, and, 
and and doing more and, and more damage to yourself and also to your family. There's there's more to say on that, but I just I just wanted to add that in there. And again, thank you, Karen, because that was absolutely right. Absolutely, I appreciate all that you just said because um, you know it's all about okay. All of a sudden, I don't have bail. I'm in jail. I just lost the job I have with a whole bunch of people, community of people I work with who have respect for me and I have respect for them. That's destroyed. There's no more income because you don't have bail. What? Because you did something that, you know, I I don't, you know, it just destroys everything and it's not necessary to destroy lives, even when someone makes a mistake. So, you know, that's where the restorative justice comes into play, I believe as well. I think you're absolutely right. Thank you for the good no, thank you. You you actually just touched on touched on something else too. So you actually touched on three things, and this and this is uh, Chris, if I may. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, this is the Pacifica Radio Network. Uh, you're listening to KPFA ninety four point one. Uh, you're welcome to call in. Uh, give your uh, testimony one eight hundred nine five eight nine zero zero eight. Go ahead. Yeah, just to follow up really really, really quickly because Karen actually touched on two or three things and in her last comments just touched on one of one of the other things that I I think we should mention too as it relates to an unjust legal system so she started with the the separation of families and and you know talked about the juries after that right so one two and then three Karen just just talked about the the bail system and the fact that you you have brothers and sisters who are behind bars right now just because they can't afford bail and that's also something that i believe the interim report does address too but again i'm very much looking forward to the final report which is due out next year where we'll have an actual plan to fix some of the things that karen has been talking about thank you so much yeah, thanks for calling, Karen. Take care. You too. Good night. Good night. Uh, so if you'd like to call in as well and give some community testimony, uh, the phone number is 1-800-958-9008. You're welcome to give us testimony about your family's origins, how you all came to California, uh, your vision for a black California, and what you'd like to see, feel, experience as you're living here um, on this beautiful piece of America. Um, to lift up some of the harms you'd like to see reparations address or the ways you'd like to see them addressed if you have uh, those specifics. You know, some of us have been researching, thinking about meditating on this stuff for quite a while. So, you know, really wanting to get uh, community expertise and feedback into the report. Um, that's the uh, the role and the job of the anchor organizations. And one 800 is uh, the phone number you can call to reach us at. Um, When doing these uh, listening sessions, uh, like the range of emotions have been crazy, um, at least for me, uh, because it can be like kind of despair and people sharing about like how heartbreaking it is for their friends and loved ones to be caught up in the unjust legal system. Uh, but other times it's like kind of joy and uh, like happiness about being able to express things and also say like, for the people who are listening and writing this report, 
please be sure to include, think about, consider heavily, you know, X, Y, or Z. Because I know too many people who are caught up in this thing. Yeah, I would agree, uh, brother. And, you know, I. so we were, well, so one thing I usually say, and and I try to make this point as often as I can, because I think you, you, you just alluded to it, which is that we are all in a very special moment right right now. And every single one of us is sitting inside of a history book right now. People are going to be reading, writing, talking about the things that we are doing right now around reparations. And we, are, we, we were at a listening session yesterday, actually, and you're absolutely right. Uh, it, it gets heavy, 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 heavy. Once people start to open up and share what's going on with them now, what's been going on with their families in the in the in the past, you know, I, uh, I can recall. I'm not going to say the person's name, but I was in a in a space yesterday in a listening session where a young woman said that she had just lost her mother earlier this year, and that she wanted reparations to address the medical harms that her family and other African Americans who are descendants of persons who were enslaved in this country face be, be, because you know while her mother were, was in her last days her mother told her that she was a victim of forced sterilization and 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 that her mother told her again in her last days that she had went to a you know to the doctor for a procedure and you know and while that procedure was su- supposed to happen the doctor gave her a hysterectomy and oh, wow. and i mean i mean i mean now can you imagine you know find you know, one this actually happening right and then actually finding this out you know um i mean it gets heavy 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 and and one thing that we try to do and and, and it is something that, that i i have a lot of appreciation for for many of the other angle orgs who have been doing this work too is as we do these listening sessions we have mental health staff there and available or resources that are mental health related of, of available that was available yesterday actually and that i think is very important for us to consider in, including as we continue this community listening because I mean, okay. this gets heavy, right? Uh, uh, before we go to Donna in Mountain View, um, I want to invite everyone to take a few intentional breaths. Like, it's small, but it helps. Trust me. Uh, so, you know, breathe. You can hold it once you have breathed in for a count of four or so. And then let it out. Breathe to about four maybe eight, if you uh, have that kind of lung capacity. And uh, just tune in to like what your body is saying. Is your heart fluttering? You know, if so, the deep breaths help. Uh, deep breaths also help the uh, butterflies in the stomach. Um, okay, uh, <laughs> we've had a moment to tune into our bodies, uh, get some air into our lungs. Uh, Donna from Mountain View, are you with us? 
Yeah, I don't have any uh, personal um, stories to relate, but there was something in the uh, in justice system that I thought was just an egregious injustice that seems to be going on. It appears that when um, a lot of young men or anybody who is um, uh, um, caught up in any accusations of criminal activity goes to court, that there are incredible amounts of charges laid on them. And, um, you know, so many that it would be you know, really terrible to even try and fight that with a lawyer and jury system, which most of them can't afford. And so what happens is they get, they're pressured to plea bargain to a few minor, relatively minor charges. And then they still wind up with a record because of that. And I, and I think that's just a terrible injustice and a terrible misuse of the justice system. And I think that that's something that probably affects a lot of people who are caught up in the justice system and that needs to change. Asha, yeah, thank clear? you, Donna. Yeah, okay. there's a there's a whole section um, about the unjust legal system and how those things have been happening uh, through like expert testimony of folks coming into the commission um, during, uh, I think, the last six months and giving that testimony so that this report reflects like a lot of that stuff. Um, and, um, yeah, thank you for calling in and, and sharing. Okay, great. Thank you. Good. Thanks for your work too. Bye-bye. Um, we, we've also got Bryant from Oakland on the line. Uh, the phone number, if you want to call yourself, 1-800-958-9008. Uh, Bryant, are you with us? Yes, I am. Good. Good evening. How are you doing? Hey, good evening. Doing well. Thank you. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I wanted to just uh, mention that, you know, I'm retired. I've worked over 30 years here in America. I'm African-American, and I feel reparation is due to us. You know, um, it's not nothing like it's not like a handout. Our ancestors uh, paid the price for reparations, and they paid reparations for the Japanese when they interned them in World War II. They paid their family reparations. They paid the slave owners reparations for the loss of their property during the Reconstruction period. So America has paid reparations for groups of people except for African Americans. And I'm not only am I for reparations, but I am for reparations towards repatriation because a lot of people don't know that there's thousands of African Americans now are moving to Africa, particularly to Ghana. And if they take the time to research uh, the year of the return on YouTube, they'll see how, why African Americans are choosing to leave America and go to Ghana. So I'm I'm a staunch supporter for that, and I hope people take the time to look into that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Brian, for calling in. Uh, Chris, did you have anything you want to follow up with? Yeah, just just on the first point and just circling back to the unjust legal system and there's something um, that uh, Brian just mentioned also, just quickly. So I believe the, the report also does address the relationship between the the prosecutors and the and the public defenders and what types of cases that you 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 get when you get arrested and then arraigned and then charged i mean i can remember myself you know sitting sitting in courtrooms where you know 
you you got all these charges and they and as the court says she she was absolutely right they say listen you you got all these charges take this deal plead to this take this take take that and you may be better off not doing none of that but not just because it it may be better for you but sometimes it's also just because they have so many cases that that they don't have the time or the will or the energy to actually take your case to prove prove that you are innocent so that has to be addressed absolutely and then to the to to the last point by um, by Brian yes you're absolutely right uh, the the United States government has paid reparations to many different groups for from the Japanese folks to as he also mentioned slave owners I mean think about that slave owners were paid reparations after the end of slavery can you imagine that slave owners being paid reparations and many many groups the the many many other groups the Native Americans you know you know et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, absolutely, the United States government has done this before. Reparations is not new, but it has to happen for those of us who are descendants of U.S. slavery in this country. Ashe. Uh, so we're going to be taking a quick music break. Um, there may be a small bit of time left for callers. Um, if you all would like to call in, the phone number is 1-800-958-9008. Uh, before we get into that music break, uh, we've got uh, William on the line from Belvedere. Um, are you there, William? Yes, I am, and thank you. I'm not black. Um, but I do have a question, because I, I'm not able to understand, and please help me to understand, why it's better to spend a tremendous amount of time and effort on talking about reparations, I think instead of taking that same time and improving the schools where black people attend. Uh, my grandson attends school in Oakland, and there's not enough teachers. It goes on and on. I won't give you the whole song. Stuff, yeah, but uh, thank you, William. Not, uh, short answer. Not... Yeah, please. Short answer, Prop 209. Um, prevents a lot of like reparative efforts right now. But uh, Chris, would you like to say anything uh, for William? Sure. So uh, first, uh, we're taking the time to talk about reparations because reparations are due and owed. Uh, reparations is a debt. And so because we are owed a debt, we are talking about having this debt repaid. That's the first point. Second point quickly is... I am a very strong supporter of reparations in direct financial compensation cash payments. I am absolutely 100% supporter of that. Uh, I, I believe any reparations should be majority direct fi financial compensation. Uh, I think when that happens, you will see a dramatic improvement in our schools because you will see black folks who are descendants of U.S. slavery actually take control of their schools and actually put, potentially even build their own school systems. And that will help the education of our kids. And also included in the reparations plan, I expect that the reparations commission will also recommend changes to, to the school and and improvements to the school and school system. So, um, yeah, thank you. 
All right. So on the other end of this music break, uh, Chris and I will talk a little bit more about our experience uh, doing this, uh, doing these listening sessions over the past uh, six or so, seven months. Um, but before that, uh, we'll be hearing Nothing But Up by Constant. This is 94.1 KPFA. Uh, you're listening to Full Circle, uh, hosted by KPFA's Apprentices. I am a graduate apprentice from Cohort 39. Uh, wrapping up today's show, uh, me and Chris are going to have uh, a small discussion about uh, what it's been like as anchor organizations. Uh, him from the Coalition for a Just and Equitable California, me from Repaired Nations. Um, and if you'd like to get in the conversation, uh, say a little bit about uh, what we were talking about in the last half hour um, in regards to the harms you want to see addressed, uh, what your vision for Black uh, California is. Uh, feel free to call 1-800-958-9008, and we'll see if we can get you in. Uh, so, Chris. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> man, uh, this has been fun. Like, Yes. I, I, yes. I, I think I want to start off by... <laughs> like. Before the show, we were talking about how you had a like a reparations weekend in LA. I think that oh, would yeah. be a good. I think that would be a good spot to start. <laughs> like, tell us uh, about that. Man, yes. So we held our second reparations listening sessions in the city of Los Angeles on Juneteenth weekend in Lamert Park during the Juneteenth festival along with and led by our L.A. team, 
the National Assembly of American Slavery Descendants, Los Angeles. Big shout out to NAASDLA and the whole team down there. And it was a fantastic weekend, a fantastic set of ev- events. It was June 18th and June 19th. And, you know, obviously June Juneteenth holds a lot of historical significance for us. And one thing we were saying over and over again that we can and we'll continue to say every Juneteenth until we get reparations is you can't talk about Juneteenth unless you're talking about reparations. And so we made that point loud and clear and we held really on June on June 18th, really an all day, you know, you know, all day, mostly what we called reparations mixer where we rented out a local black-owned cafe, Hot Hot and Cool Cafe. Big shout-out to the whole team at Hot and Cool Cafe. And just brought in, you know, black artists, black performers. We had a genealogist. We had black folks who, who were doing great community work and also talked about reparations as... You know, people came in for their, you know, for their coffees at the cafe and for their lunch at the cafe. We talked reparations with them really all day long. And it was just a fantastic, fantastic day of reparations during the Juneteenth Festival in L.A., which is which you had, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of of people there. So that was Saturday. Sunday, we hosted and Sunday on Juneteenth, actually June nineteenth, we hosted a panel discussion in the actual festival on the on the streets with somebody who has been, I, I mean, just very core and key to the reparations effort. Uh, someone by the name of Maureen Simmons, who actually drafted the original language for the California reparations bill. We had um, someone who has been probably one of the lead grassroots organizers for California reparations, a good brother of mine named Marcus Champion, who actually helped write the actual final language of the reparations bill. Uh, We had uh, uh, assembly member, Isaac Bryant also, who was the first assembly member or first person to give testimony for the reparations bill. And then we had Dr. Cheryl Grills, member of the California Reparations Task Force. And so we we held a panel. It was standing room only. I mean, it was uh, an amazing, amazing panel. And then that same day, just a couple hours later, we held our what you might call official reparations listening session where chair of the reparations commission, Camilla Moore and state Senator, um, state Senator Stephen Bradford joined also at the Pullum Arts Center in Lumber Park for an amazing, amazing community listening session. So, I mean, it was just an amazing wow. event. Thousands of people, thousands of people hearing about reparations, talking about reparations. I mean, it was amazing. Man, uh, we had our own little like uh, liberation weekend here in East Oakland, and there was uh, 20 events uh, coordinated by the Black Cultural Zone, which is kind of headquartered uh, at uh, Liberation Park at East Mont Mall. And that was crazy and and fun. And, you know, we set up at a local high school um, and got testimony and gave out free food. It was it wasn't as big as yours, but it was it was really fun. (laughs) Dope, dope, man. 
So uh, we, actually, we, we held our our first listening session in Oakland, actually, um, oh, at the nice. California Ballroom. Yeah, and I mean, big shout out to the to the Oakland family. Big shout out to the whole Bay Area family. Obviously, Berkeley, Richmond, everywhere. Big big shout out. I mean, the the Bay Area has been very very well represented in this California reparations process. Yeah. Um, so we got a we got a few more people on the line. You want to try and squeeze them in before the end of the show, uh, Chris? Definitely, was there anything else yes. you want to share before we we bring them on? No, let's hear from let's hear from the people, man. Ashe, Ashe. Uh, so let's start with uh, Shayna from Pinole, then we'll get uh, Khadija on from Berkeley. Uh, Shayna, am I saying your name right? And how are you? Hi, it's actually Shanna. How are My you? My apologies. Hi, Chris. I'm good. Hey, Shanna. I don't know if you can hear me. Hey. So I just want to start saying that um, I'm forever reminded when we're speaking on reparations that we must always allow our ancestors to come through. So with that, I'm going to say Ashe. Um, your initial question, um, speaking of the host, you asked about how our families came to California. Now, I have on my mother's side and my father's side, they come from different states. And I think for most of us, we have family members who obviously came from the Deep South, and many of them came from the Great Migration. Um, my mother hails from Mobile, Alabama. She was the only sibling out of her siblings who actually came to California. So to her, I'm actually the first generation as far as a child who was actually born and raised in California. I'm born and raised in Berkeley. My grandmother's siblings, including her parents, they all migrated to Richmond. And this was obviously during the time where you had the shipyards and so forth. My father's side comes from Oklahoma in terms of his parents. I don't know as to when his parents left Oklahoma. I don't believe in it could be some aspects of it, if it had anything to do with um, Greenwood, you just never know because not everybody left at the same time. You know, you have families who had to go in droves or you had certain family members, if you want to call them scouts, they had to scout out where can they go to make sure it was safe to bring their family. So um, that's pretty much how I'm here, you know, being in um, the Bay Area as far as my family. And on my father's side, them born and raised his siblings in San Francisco. They're from Fillmore. And anybody that knows anything about Fillmore or HP, you know, particularly Fillmore is so gentrified. HP right now, people are just trying to hold on to what little black American, American freedmen culture and history that we have there. So that's another thing that I wanted to go into. Obviously, there's so many different harms we could speak on and it's not just california there's a colossal different things of all of us who are black americans who are descendants of american chattel slavery in this country come from all those different categories but one thing i will touch on someone who is a gen xer born and raised in berkeley and i can see the difference of from when i had grew up till now not only in berkeley south berkeley looking at west oakland the Telegraph Avenue, East Oakland, then you go into San Francisco, even Richmond, where a lot of us are not represented in large um, quantities like we used to see in terms of businesses. One of the things that we felt proud just in terms of culture in South Berkeley is the Ashby Flea Market. 
And that itself is just dwindling down. You know, a lot of people come through like, oh, what is that? Oh, it's actually flea market. We're like, yeah, it's the BART station, but it's the flea market. Everybody knew. Be there Saturday, Sunday. You could be there all day. Get what you want to get, eat, whatever, come back, whatever. It was a cultural thing for us, even though it's a lot of Afrocentric stuff, but it was ours. You know, and then now it's different. It's just on life support. And that's what you see. A lot of these um, different areas that we knew were our neighborhoods are literally on life support, if that. So I do feel of what Chris has spoke on and what he will be speaking on in the future, the different chapters in the interim court, and as people are giving their testimonies for the future commission um, meeting, you're going to hear more people talking about what they'd experienced in their neighborhoods, in their families, even if it's directly with them or not. If something happened to another black person, I may not have gone through that. But Thank you for sharing, Shanna. Oh, you're welcome. It's in our, you know, I hate to say this, but it's in our DNA in terms of black Americans. Yeah, there's been studies. I don't have to ask you exactly. um, I forgot there so uh, I'm sorry. We're like we have two minutes left on our show. Um, Shanna, can I try and get one more caller in before we close out? Oh, no problem. No problem. All right. Thank, thank you, you for calling. All right. Let's uh, Khadija from Berkeley. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you very much for taking my call. I am absolutely in favor of reparations for people who are descendants of African-Americans who were enslaved. But I'm really concerned uh, that how are you going to protect the people who get them, if they get them, and I hope they do, from just totally getting ripped off? I mean, in 2008... Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Khadija. Um, we're going to see if anyone wants to give testimony. Uh, Leah, are you still there? Leah from Berkeley, are you with us? white um, and uh, native Californian. But listen, I'm really concerned about the descendants of those that get reparations because bigotry will never end. And what's going to happen when the white bigots with their AR-15s decide they don't want black people to have reparations? I'm concerned that anyone who's black is still going to get that taken away from them. And that um, people who are black who have not they're not descendants of slaves. What about them? And this so is the end comment. of Full Circle here on uh, 94.1 KPFA. Uh, lots of white angst at the end. It's okay. Um, you can listen next week and get uh, sounds from the Leonard Peltier event from Barrios Unidos in Santa Cruz. Chris, would you like to say anything in 15 seconds to close us out? Thank you so much. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate everybody who called in, who gave testimony. And stay tuned for more on California reparations. Ashe. Uh, I've been your host, Gregory Jackson Jr. Thanks for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Uh, up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.